0: My name is Jeff Curtis, and I was the winner of the 1976 There and Back, the very first Fink Desert race. Originally I'm from Darwin, I'd been down a couple of times as a 14, 15 year old to race motocross. After Cyclone Tracy, I Went and did a short stint over in Cairns at a motor mechanics place over there because I was a second year apprentice. Then got a phone call from John Conroy, the Yamaha dealer here in Alice Springs. Uh, he'd heard that I'd moved. So he offered me a job over here. He offered me a place to stay and a motorbike to race. So back then, the young kid looking to get up there, I, uh, I just jumped at the opportunity and came over. So I did do a bit of solo riding in Darwin previous to me leaving there, so Got into Speedway here as well, Silos, and motocross, it just stemmed from there. I knew a guy down here at the time when I'd, I'd come down to race, ended up being a good friend, was Peter State. So we got along good, hung out together, all that stuff, and became best mate, best man at my wedding. So from, from that day forth, we rode motorbikes 24-7 pretty much. I was into motocross, but not as much as probably young people get into it these days and look look up at the circuit as such as a riders, but Stephen Gaul was one guy that we were pretty impressed with back in the early 80s. Well, he was five, six six-time Mr. Motocross. Um, he's he's done a hell of a lot, still does stuff for motocross, for Yamaha. He had stuff to do with Mad Max movies and stuff, so we looked up to him. He, he was a bit of an idol, I suppose, back in the day, and then as other guys came along, uh, the Jeff Leisks. um, Then we had some American guys we used to sort of follow a little bit as we got a little bit more serious into it. But back in the day, we did this for fun. That's how it started. We raced motocross for fun. I played a fair bit in racing, and uh, just one thing led to another. I trained pretty hard, I got a sort of half got serious at it. So it sort of put me on probably a little bit higher level than some of the other guys at the time, because maybe not being a better rider, but I was a fitter rider. So, you know, I could outlast a lot of the other guys. It just sort of stemmed from there. It was funny, we, we as in myself, Peter State, John Fiddler, a few other guys that we used to just play with on weekends and ride, muck around. There was Peter Gunner, Viv Johnson, Ralph Tice, who's an American guy out here working at the base. They were probably three of the main instigators, I think, and Peter Gunner, he was president of the Motorcycle Club at the time. He was always inventing different events, not only motocross, it'd it'd be uh, hare and hounds, it'd be um, mountain climbs like we had one out at Wigley's Waterhole. We started on one side of the river, raced to the other side of the river, and the first one that could get to the top of the hill was the winner. Just silly stuff that, that came about. So they came to us and said, oh, look, we've, we've marked out a bit of a track down to Fink. And we go, Fink? And we go, well, for what? And they said, oh, for a race to Fink and back. And we thought, Phew. it's like out in the middle of nowhere and and back again. And And back then, motocross bikes and stuff really were were for around a motocross track that we thought, not for drawing down the 200k down the track, 250k down the track. So we said, yeah, we'll come down with you one weekend. So we rode down there one weekend with them. They showed us the track, which was then it was the, the, the maintenance road that the, the Fettler guys that looked after the railway line used to drive up and down to keep, to ma- maintain and service the railway line. So that was the track pretty much all the way from town, barring probably from town to deep well was the road, but then that was not quite a road like it is today. Um, and then we are on the service track. So we said, oh yeah, it's, it seems like a good idea. It's a long way. You know, how are you going to do it Or Oh, we'll, we'll do something. So those guys were the instigators. Barry Taylor was involved in it as well, once it sort of got off the grounds. They told me later on it was an event that they, they sort of orchestrated, an event that I couldn't win, because I used to win most of the other stuff around town at the time. And I'd never ridden anything like that before in my life either, so. It was new to all of us, but at the end of the day, it panned out my way. But like I said, we didn't know a lot about. I used to race motocross track, speedway, so we around in a circuit pretty well most of the time, so. After riding down there and having a look at the track previous, I was on my my trail bike, my DT 250, which was my day-to-day commuter at the time. I thought, I'm not going to ride a motocross bike down here, I'll, I'll blow it up, even though I was a mechanic and worked on those things, but anyway. So I rode my old trail bike knowing that I could probably ride it flat out and it was as solid as a brick. So. We sort of learned as we went, really, with it. There was no pre-running or no nothing. It was, we had an eye of the track because we went down, oh, probably, I don't know, weeks or months before just to have a look what they were going to do. But we sort of gave it the thumbs up. But that was, if you want to call that a pre-run, that was it. But it was more or less once you got on the road from the start, you rode down the road to Deep Well, then the the road then sort of went on to a track didn't really continue the way it does now after Deep Well. It was where you turn right at Deep Well checkpoint, basically, or where you go right and around the hill. We went sort of similar way, but by the first hill, we turned left and followed the road around, which now is, I think, is all washed out in a creek crossing. And there was another railway crossing over at the back of the date farm and then came out to the Maryvale gate area from the other side. So it was more or less a two wheel track a maintenance line. For the bikes we were riding back then, it was rough, but not rough as in today's standards, I suppose. But today's standards, the bikes are a lot better than they were back then. first race, the town was pretty involved in motocross and fairly big back in that day. I think at the first race there was no real idea how many competitors they'd get for it. So I think we had, I'm guessing here now, I think there were 60 or 61 competitors somewhere there. So yeah, it was un- unknown to everybody. I think second year they got a few more because then it was sort of a little bit out there what it was about. But yeah, the first year it was sort of, it was pioneering really first few runs were Le Mans start, shotgun, and I still like them. Uh, everyone just lined up in a row in front of our bikes, I think, or behind them, ran up to them when the gun went off, kick start. You can practice them a hundred times and then the time you want them to start first time, most times they don't. But me having my old faithful trail bike, I knew that it'd start first kick, so yeah, I was, I was first on the road. Peter State was behind me. The next person behind, I can't even recall who it was, but yeah. So that was it. And we started off the road, so we were in the, in the grass paddock, basically, onto the road and, and off. And back then it was, of course, the first few races, if you were first on the road, you were first. There was no time corrections as in today with the amount of competitors they've got. So once you're in front, you're in front. Dust didn't worry us and there wasn't that many bikes, I don't suppose. So I was in front all the way down, got to just near Deepwell, and there was a gate that was shut which supposedly a few station gates that were there were supposed to be opened. But I got there, the gate was shut. So of course pulled up as I turned around, Peter State pulled up behind me. So it was then it was a question, a little conversation there. Well, if I open the gate, you're not going to take off. No, no. So I opened the gate, pushed my bike through, we rode through. I shut the gate again and we rode off together. So from then on, more or less, we were nearly trail riding, riding together. Um, got down near Urininga, uh, there was another gate, at the stop, open that, same thing, he opened the gate that time, went through, I rode through, shut the gate, did that again, the other side of Urininga there, there was um, another gate, so stopped, opened that, did the same, same things, um, and off we went. So the fuel stop then was at uh, Bunduma. That was the first fuel stop. I think most people carried enough fuel and the the bikes we had back then and all that sort of stuff could get us there. I had a bigger fuel tank, plastic fuel tank on my, my DT, 20 litres or something, 19. The club had a fuel stop there, but there wasn't all the people there to refuel. So they had the jerry cans lined up either side of the track with your number on it so you could see it. And you pulled up beside your jerry can and filled your bike up and then took off again. That was the fuel stop. We were lucky, I think Peter and I, we got there first dish, first before anyone else. So we had we had assistance there to refuel. I'm pretty sure back then, I think it was Peter Glover and his family were there to help us. So then we fueled up, rode off together. And then there, yeah, some more incidents happened after that. Peter fell off. Just after after Bunduma, the fuel stop, broke his throttle cable. Of course, I stopped to assist. So we're working out what we're gonna do with that. I can't even recall now what he did. He came in afterwards but the, I think on the early model bikes, of course, uh, the throttle cable went into a plastic handpiece and I think um, when he crashed, he broke something there. So he either bodged something up or bodged a pair of pliers or, or did something to, to get going again anyway and got in, so I'm not sure yeah, exactly where, can't remember now what position he came in there and um, I think he, got it, he fixed it up overnight somehow and then um, crazy man. Her bike went past us out in the scrub. Uh, it was Phil Stoker. He was uh, a station hand down at Man Ebenezer Station. He rounded up cattle and stuff on motorbikes. So he knew how to ride in the bush, knew how to ride, if you want to say unmarked tracks, of course, so he, could, he had a good eye for that. So he ended, so yeah, he was he was fast. Maybe not always on the track, but he was fast, yeah. So I didn't take any notice of it, I just kept trying to work out how we're gonna get Peter out of there with a broken throttle piece. And then he said to me, oh, you better go and catch that bloke. You know, he's, he's in front now. So yeah, you know, I said, "Well, you be right here? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll get my way out of it. So I took off to chase him down. He was on, I think he was on a 400 Suzuki or a 400 Yamaha at the time. So I chased him down and caught him past him and got into Fink first. So that was that was the first day. Back then obviously there was only sixty odd riders in the event so there wasn't a great deal of people down at the Fink and the finish line back then was in the vicinity where the camp area area is now I think. We pulled up there, once a few of us got there and our, and a couple of guys that we had to help us down there, they drove down the road. We went into Fink and at that stage, well that that time Fink had a pub. So we rode in, parked our bikes the front of the pub on, by the horse rails and went inside and cooled down, basically, for several hours. Back then, because we started like 7 o'clock in the morning, and back then the temperatures were, we're in the minuses most of the time, so we had either several layers of clothes on then. We didn't have quite the, the apparel that's out there nowadays. We had newspapers down the front of our shirts to stop the wind, so then once we heated up we could just pull the newspapers out and, and we were right. That was our, yeah, our protection in a sense. Um, but The weather down there, like it was minus and freezing cold overnight. You left water out, it was frozen in the morning. Very cold on the fingers. We didn't have bark busters and that sort of stuff back in the day, so your fingers froze like hell. It was freezing until you warmed up for sure. And I think when we started, it was either zero or in the minuses. It was it was very cold. Yeah, can't even remember the time frame I got in ahead of second, but whatever it was, it was that was yeah your your time you left in the morning. So if you came in. Like nowadays, if you came in two minutes ahead of the second place, he started two minutes yeah ahead. Like I said, then there was sixty riders, or probably maybe not quite as many as that, to come home. There wasn't a lot of strategy. It was just go fast. But I suppose Stadi, because he was, I'd race with him in motocross. Um, I knew him. I knew he was a good rider. I knew he was a fast rider. Uh, I knew he wouldn't give up. There was another guy that came down from Darwin. He had a Yamaha dealership in Darwin. Hans Van Santen. He had a 500. Four-stroke Yamaha. I knew he was he was fast as well, because uh, I raced motocross up there a little bit with him uh, when I was in Darwin. But I don't know. I, I probably didn't even really think who was chasing me at the time, and didn't think, oh yeah, he's he's going to be quick. What time did he go down? There was none of that rubbish, so to speak. It was I was first in, so I'm first out. So they got to catch me in a sense. They're all on bigger bikes than me, but yeah, it was just head down, bum up then don't make any mistakes and just get home. So I had a good run back, I I had a, I think I had a a crash on the way down, bent up the headlight a little bit on the bike, because the bike still had headlight, tarlight, instruments, all the, just, it was as it rode to work and it's as it is now parked in my carport at home. Coming home I'd pull up because the GAN was on its way home, very slow moving GAN and uh, I had to stop at the railway crossing, more or less, while the gan went past and uh, people waving out of the carriages. While I, at that time, that was probably the only time I really looked over to my shoulder to see if anyone was coming, because it was it was probably 50 odd k, maybe out of think at the time. So yeah, that was just something that you guys don't have to worry about nowadays waiting for a train and I know there is cattle out there nowadays too but we had a few periods where there was just cattle grazing wandering on the road so I think most of them now are out of the way but uh, there's still that you've got to watch out for so yeah it's just another obstacle that was there on the way home. Before the race, I went to see a girl that I was going with, a time girlfriend, and I told her, "Dad, oh, don't worry, I said, just keep an eye out for Lone Dust Dream coming home. I said, it'll be me. I was a bit cocky, I suppose, I don't know, but coming up the road, it was funny, It was it's not like you you get excited, because you're coming up the road, you're in front. I, when I crossed the finish line, it was, oh yeah, um, you know, oh yeah, I won, and uh, in it was sort of accolades and, and and what have you. And it took a little while to sink in, probably even later years, really, to sink in that I'd won and I'd won the first one. It's one of those things that was invented, so to speak, to beat me and then to win the first one and win two others after that, placed a few times in, in different events. I really didn't do the event as long as some people have, as in the amount of years I didn't ride. I'd probably be lucky to be, might've been 12, 15 times I've actually rode the event. I hurt my neck there quite a few years ago and that sort of put a bit of a dampener on things and I thought don't push the envelope too much. Uh, I enjoyed racing, I did all that, but initially it was for fun, it was never ever serious, it was never to make a living out of it. It was fun. It was still fun when I crashed and damaged my neck, but uh, you know, thoughts start going through your head that you don't need to push the envelope we had a couple of guys from the states come out and ride it one of the guys dan ashcroft he came out he won um jimmy ellis had a couple of goes. he was in, in in position to win he blew an engine up um coming out i think one year in front um so it it's we had international riders we had the best in australia i can remember stephen gall when he came up for the first time to to ride it and um we got to know him well, Peter and I, and um, he rode down there, and we went with him a couple of times. And he more or less said to us we were crazy, you know. He said, "How can you ride down there at full speed, on a straight rate, under mile an hour for like a, for half an hour or something like that?" You know, because he was, Mr. Motocross Stadium, Motocross, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it was a different a different race that those guys had to adapt to. It wasn't so bad from the guys that came from the states because they do Baja and and the um, San Felipe 500s and all that sort of stuff, so they're used to desert racing. But for the for the motocross guys in Australia, it took them a little while to adapt to going fast in a straight line or on a course like that for so long. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it brought, brought recognition and, and, of course, with Toby coming in there and, and and Toby's name and where Toby's been and what Toby's done, it sort of brought, brought the event up to another level. Um, and, and Toby's just a great ambassador for the race. So while he's involved um, and, and he praises it, always praises coming here, so it, it's good, it's good advertising. Yeah, he, he, he's, definitely a, he's definitely a winner for the event. It's, it's, it's the biggest draw card for Alice Springs um, in the middle of nowhere, basically. Uh, I've been over and raced the Baja in America as well and it's, you know, it's on par with that, Baha, a little bit tougher, but this for what it is, as in being, you could call it a sprint race because of what it is. It's got a different level than the, the Baha, but you've got to go as fast as you can. You've got to have your wits about you, your reflexes have got to be past 100%. And it's one of those ones, you make a call, you've got to, you've got to pull it, whether it's right or wrong, otherwise you, you get into trouble. And we've seen so many people get into trouble. And it's a race, people think, oh, it's only a sprint race, you don't have to be real fit. Well, now I camp down about 70k down the other side of Deep Well, And you see on the first day, people coming down there after they've done the first 70k. And you wonder how in the hell they're going to get to the finish line. Because they are already well off their pace. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's an event. I think if people come and they do that, well, think, geez, I've got to i got to arc up for next time. I want to do it again. Guys that came in after us, or even probably started riding towards the end of our level of, of racing, was guys like uh, Mark Winter. He won a couple of events. He had a bad accident on his way to winning his third. And that was the end of him, in a, in a sense. He, he took the option, life preservation, so to speak. And there was Randall Gregory was was up-and-coming rider at the time when we were getting towards the end of our line, Stephen Greenfield, local guys, guys like that who then obviously ended up coming in to take over the field basically. There was Wayne Woodbury, a few other guys that had had won one or two of the events. So yeah there there, there was a lot of up-and-coming young fellas in town here that had the scent, had the nose, that wanted to win and went on to win many. As for the event it is, it's awesome to see it still going and to see it as big as it is. got to thank the guys that started it. And I think to most people, there's a good majority of the people out there today have probably got no idea how it started um, and probably got no idea of some of the guys in the early days, who they are, what they are, what they've done. Uh, half the guys that are racing today weren't born when we were racing. So, you know, half the guys don't know us. They don't know what we did so they only you know they stick to the last maybe 10 years of the event 10 or 15 years of the event which is fine um, but I oh, know you got to you got to give it to to those people that started it really the organizers and and in the early days the people that kept pushing it and, and moving it along Um and the people in the latter years that are, that are still doing the work and the, and the infrastructure that's out there now. You wouldn't take and get any bigger. I think it's at a limit. It just appears to be bigger each year, I suppose. Maybe it gets a bit more interest. We had a, obviously the COVID year, sort of hurt a lot of people. I don't know, it, like I said, it's good for the, the town. I think it, it brings huge money into the town. Visitors, who at this stage probably normally wouldn't be here. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's everybody that's been involved and continues to be involved with it. And Alice Springs, as such, uh, they keep getting bitten every year. It's only a small town, small community in a sense, but a lot of the businesses get bitten every year for sponsorship and donations, and, it, and they always seem to put their hands in their pocket. Uh, so it's one of those things, again, without volunteers, without sponsors, you don't have stuff like this. The race itself today is made up of majority of volunteers that keep the event going, so yeah, it's a big, big yay to them. As where it is today, I think the guys that invented it would be smiling if they're around today because I think Peter Gunner always had a vision that once this race got established that it was going to be one of the best. He had that vision that if I do something like this, people are going to come from everywhere and and so be it. It's look at it now. It's uh, it's an event where everyone wants to ride it. Those that that have failures come back time after time. I just hope everyone has a safe weekend. You know, there's more rules and regulations out there, and it's motor racing. Accidents do happen, unfortunately, but just got to try and minimise those as much as possible. Anyone, you know, if you're pre-running and still doing stuff in the last few days, just take it easy.